Hello, and welcome to episode 185 of Relics of War. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me today is my wonderful co-host, Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Spirit? Hello, everyone. I'm super excited to talk a lot about things, because it's been a while. Indeed. And song it involved. has been a while for a variety of reasons, although chief among them is that there's actually hasn't been a ton to talk about, but now we've sort of let it get to a critical point, uh, critical mass, so to speak, such that uh, there's a moderate number of things to talk about that have happened or that are eminently about to happen. So that's I'm excited to be back here as well. Carly Patch Hype. I yeah. don't know what's coming. We can talk about that because that bothers me. We know it's coming, but we don't know what. Yeah. yeah. And it's just sort of based on the last one, though. I feel like if it's even half as good as the last one, I'm going to enjoy it. And if it lives up to what the April one was, then it's going to be great. But we just don't know. Like that, It's such a crapshoot. Super Adventure Box, right? Yeah, actually that too. Or no, was it, I think Super Adventure Box ended and they gave us the revamp one. They happened right around the same time, but I think that's that's how it worked out. Sure, okay. Um, God, what all did come with that? I just, the big one for me lately has been the revamp of all the Heart of Thorns things. Uh, oh, reworking yeah. Reworking all the rewards, taking away participation, making it so that you can spend less than two hours in one of those maps and be decently rewarded for it. Yeah, yeah, the big the big revamp to how rewards go. Yeah, huge reward revamp. God, what else? I feel like there was so much, but if you ask me right now, I can't remember which came in in April and which did not. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Like they've become so normal in the sense that they've they've all integrated so well and there's really haven't been any complaints about anything that changed in the April update that you kind of just go like yeah, the oh, yeah. game's in a in a pretty good place as far as, you know, um, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I just Googled it uh, out of curiosity to just sort of refresh my memory. They also doubled all of the experience uh, from Maguma. Oh, they yeah. They made um, adventures more accessible. It's easier to get gold on some of those, which I've been doing that lately. And boy, ArenaNet, I greatly appreciate that because holy butts, a fungus among us. Um, not only has great butts, because if you inspect a mushroom behind very closely, you will see extreme definition. Uh, <laughs> but also, <laughs> have you not? I can't say that I have. Mushrooms have the best booty. Something, um, also, something, fungal wallow. <laughs> uh, they revamped dailies in April. That's one of the things that came with it. The two gold for dailies oh, dungeons yeah, yeah. were fixed. Um, fractals were revamped again to the current system, which is really good um just a whole slew cliffside was reworked there's a bunch of boss reworks uh just i'm looking at this huge crash of patch notes but yeah if it's even on the scale of those oh looking for group squads and stuff we're at it oh yeah even if if it's even close to what april was then you know it's something to look forward to but yeah i don't know it's really bugging me that they won't say anything about it i just that doesn't feel good to me Right. Such like, a gamble on whether, like, I, I appreciate that, you know, they don't want to say, you know, in April, these are the things that we're going to be delivering in three months. Right? Because things happen. Things change. I, I appreciate they don't want to say that. But now we're a week out from the patch. And at this point, things shouldn't be changing. Right. Or I hope they're not. Or, you know, like, things aren't going in last last second there. Or not going in last second, rather. I think that would be the worst thing. Uh, which... Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, it's just such a crapshoot, like, what if it's not a really good patch, then it's gonna be fantastically disappointing. 
Well, I guess I, their, I, I think their thing is that, you know, say it is disappointing, which I am not saying that I think it is, but say it is disappointing. It's, it would be less disappointing than if they were hyping it and it didn't turn out well, which I think is probably where they're coming from. I guess. I don't like that. That's, um, yeah, that's such a, <laughs> such a low standard to set for themselves. I know, because I was just thinking, because Aina used to be so strong in their hype game, and I know that at times it has bitten them in their butts, uh, mm-hmm. but... They're well-defined mushroom butts. Yeah, the, uh, but... <laughs> no, I just keep saying but. <laughs> they... It's fine. They... That hype did serve a function of keeping people engaged when there actually wasn't any content. Like... Think about how long things like this podcast, for example, went with literally no content as in as in physical content because the game wasn't out like but there was so much to Mm -hmm. talk about that you could get excited and keep up with the news and be so ready when the game came out to play. And, you know, that's it makes it hard from the content production side at the very least. And it also I feel like makes it kind of harder to keep people logging in i mean i know that they revamp daily rewards and stuff which the whole point of that is to just develop a habit but if you get out of the if you get out of the habit of checking what's going on in the game through you know in between times uh because there's nothing to see then it makes it a lot easier to stop doing your dailies and such Mm -hmm. so (sighs) but Annette's lack of communication on what the next patch is was not really one of our bullet point topics. It's just a uh, no. permanent thing that there is always to talk about. But we do have a fair number of things that we can still talk about that have come out. Um, do you have a do you have a preference on what we talk about first slash next? Um, nope. Okay. Well, let's just start with what just came out because okay. that's freshest in my mind. And I'm talking about on the website, there have been a series of cute little um, articles slash lore bits, I guess you could call them, that are from in like from the perspective of in-game characters. So there's Timey's journals, and of which there are three at present, and an interview with Queen Jenna that just came out today. So have you have you read those? You've been following those? Um, I've been following the timey ones i was busy earlier today and haven't read the queen jenna one yet i actually didn't know about it until you were like hey did you see this interview and i was like oh what dev gave an interview and you're like no 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 it's queen jenna which is not at all what happened but that's how i interpreted it i mean that's basically right you're you know it's close enough (laughs) spirit of the conversation and all that (laughs) uh yeah so these timey journals are sort of picking up that thread from Heart of Thorns, where Timey left us behind and stayed in Rodanovas to investigate the loss of Surin city slash technology slash civilization slash research on Mordermoth and or other dragons, all of those things. And in the story, we didn't hear anything more from her. She just sort of disappeared. And so these these are sort of filling in some of the time gaps from... Uh, I suppose you would say the present and when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are written as journal entries from Timey's perspective, so they to speak. Super cute. They are super cute. They're like, um, if you know that mission in Heart of Thorns where you have to traverse Auric Basin and she's leaving you a whole bunch of holograph uh, messages, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, it the is, holograms it is, behind. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is in the spirit of that, where they're just fantastically tiny. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're like a, they're like a funny, charming college kid that is hopped up on way too much caffeine. Uh, And hasn't slept in a few weeks. Well, those things are related. Yeah, uh, sure. (laughs) Yeah, uh, they're, they're really cute. Uh, I highly recommend people go read them. Uh, They're, yeah, they're just, they're really fun. They're cute. Honestly, I feel like they don't actually have a lot of like real information, but they're great like characterization sort of. Mm. They they have a little bit of real information. Yeah, I guess the only thing that I would take away from it is that um, you know, in terms of concrete information, uh we can tell that um a that Timey's plan of not being discovered, <laughs> you know, keeping it a secret from Rodanova or not Rodanovas, Rodasum rather. Uh has I don't want to say failed, but her time failed. is up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, She's been, been discovered. Yeah. There are uh, a number of Asura tramping through and touching things. Oh my god, she is a, a crewmate, uh, which I use the term loosely because it's a plant that she has named Plant. And some Asura, who's being a bit of a flunt, stepped on her plant, and it is the worst. <laughs> being a bit of a flunt is like my favorite <laughs> insult so good uh yeah it's it's funny um yeah strongly recommend you go read it although going back to uh communication it's kind of it's kind of another one of those like weirdly out of game communications like you that seems like the perfect type of thing to throw in to living story and maybe they'll be there i mean maybe we'll be able to see her like journals in in game but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a shame that a lot of people are probably going to miss that because they just don't check the website. But if you listen to this podcast and you haven't read them yet, go do it because they're short and they're funny. Yes. Uh, was there anything particularly interesting about the Queen Jenna interview that I didn't get to read? Honestly, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Aww. It didn't. Um, it it came off. It came off like you would imagine a politician or you know person in power would be responding to people asking like to people interviewing you during a time of crisis you know like very like yes everything is fine we are investigating but it's not yeah it's not the work of an organized group of individuals it is yeah you know what i mean like it was very in character but um i don't know sort of dry (laughs) like it uh, it didn't really it didn't really do anything for me to be honest but I mean, it's pretty short, so again, you might as well go read it, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so that's sort of been the main thing on their site for the last couple weeks, really. There hasn't really been anything else, right? Uh, not the, not uh, news about the game, per se. They've been doing a series of streams, mm-hmm. um, catching up on uh, Season 2. For people who've played it before, but also people who haven't. I, one thing that they did about that that I thought was quite cool is they did it in multiple languages. Um, so they had a, a set of Spanish streamers also working through the the episodes as well as the you know English language ones. That is um, cool. Yeah, and then there was a there was a community live stream. I admittedly did not watch it. I'm very out of touch with the community at the moment because life and things. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm very uh, not up on my community game about the yeah. game <laughs> yeah 
yeah, I have not been, I haven't really been tuning into streams and stuff like that. So I'm a little, I'm a little out of the loop, but I feel like I probably would have heard about anything super significant via Twitter and friends and such. So it's probably fine, but yeah, I don't know. That's kind of, it's kind of all the recent stuff. There's Wooden Potatoes did a probably half hour ish long video sort of analyzing slash overanalyzing the latest. Oh, I guess that's right. The the trailer for Living Story Season 3, yes. um, which I guess we can talk about that trailer. But yes, he did a video analyzing it uh, frame by frame. So we'll put the link in the show notes. Go ahead and check that out if you are interested. Um, but, you know, we don't really need to analyze an analysis, so to speak just uh nope. noteworthy but uh yeah there was a trailer for season three and that comes out next week which is really exciting because i think you know like you said with the quantity and quality of stuff we got with the last content uh quarterly patch um and the fact that everybody is very excited to get new story content after you know what eight nine months now mm-hmm. um especially if you haven't been rating uh, so it's I'm I'm pretty excited about it and uh, yeah so there's there's a trailer and in sort of typical Guild Wars two trailer style it was actually kind of hard to tell what I was looking at <laughs> so do you have anything to uh, elucidate the trailer for me um, I think there's a few things we can draw from it um, just you know based on the the fact it sort of starts with you know Morjamoth is dead. Um, you know, there's been some sacrifices and it shows, uh, pictures of air and Holrak and, uh, things of that nature. Um, I sort of think we'll see from, from those, uh, bits of the video, I think we'll see sort of, uh, I don't want to say a memorial, maybe like a resolution to air story or something. Um, there's been the sort of dangling plot thread of what happened to Garm. I think it's very likely that that will, maybe we'll find out that. Um, I also think it's very likely given all of the concept art that we've seen of Brom with a bow, but we've never actually seen him use one. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brom either, you know, finally take up that bow and become a dragon hunter and have that sort of chapter of his story, much like Marjorie had her turn with, um, Belinda's great sword. Yes. And Belinda's great sword, how we sort of had a little chapter seeing her sort of change in that way. I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, Brom doing that although we didn't see brahm in the trailer i have to admit so i'm not sure what that all means or maybe i don't know i don't think we saw brahm we saw kanak he got a new outfit again because kanak just is changing all the time (laughs) with every living story i in fact i think every season he has changed his appearance well you know you gotta do what you gotta do yeah uh what else was there oh the big thing i think is that uh heavily heavily Heavily. Heavily. The trailer features the white mantle. And so I yes. think the, the the big thing is that, you know, they are no longer going to be in the shadows. They are going to be actually the oddly enough, the episode is called Out of the Shadows. Um so I think they're they're very much not going to be sort of side villains anymore. They're very much coming out and we're finally going to Front see center. some Yeah, we're gonna uh confront them directly and i have some ideas and, and theories about that um do you, do, would you care to talk about them yeah i can i was just uh before we sort of branch off into that was there anything else in the trailer that you saw that was of interest 
Um, no, I mean it was kind of like I said, a lot of a lot of the Guild Wars trailers are sort of I would say intentionally opaque. Like there's a lot of uh, fast cuts and sort of uh, mixing in footage and their cinematic style, but without much context. And so, you know, I think, and I think it is with purpose, which is to say that it sort of creates a feeling of hype or interest without actually telling you all that much. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I said, I think intentionally, but so I'm not the type especially not with Guild Wars lore to super analyze that type of uh, that type of thing. I sort of just take it and just take the impression as I think that they intend it and then just sort of be generally excited. So that's that's about where I am for that. <clears throat> but I am, you know, familiar with the White Mantle. So we can we can both talk about that, even though I haven't put a ton of thought into their relation to the trailer. You know, like, obviously, we've talked about their relation to the game, you know, and sort of the subtle stuff that was heavily implied uh, via in-game items and characters, but was never completely explicitly stated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But what are your what are your thoughts on on the White Mantle in uh, season three? Um, so my speculation is going to be highly based on the conclusion of Raid Wing three. And so if you don't uh, want to know that for some reason, you have been duly warned. Um, and we have waited quite a while quite to talk a about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I hope either you have found out the way you wanted to or you're about to find out here, but that you're willing to find out that way. Anyway, spoilers. Um, so where do I start here? I guess, uh, you know, at this point in the Raid Wing, it's no secret that we're fighting White Mantle. We know we're assaulting their stronghold. We know that there's been things going on here. They're stealing Bloodstone. uh, And the name keeps coming up Lazarus. You know, enemies say it when they die, whatever. Um, Lazarus, 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 Lazarus. Zira is saying it all the time. He will be displeased. Uh, What's his face in the Matty G? My bro from Wing 2. Yes. Uh... You know, he's always talking about sacrificing people on the Bloodstone to for Lazarus. Um, so when you actually, right before Zira, there's an event um, where she's, as a Mesmer, has quite literally ripped apart a castle with her Mesmer powers. Like, she is that strong. And it sort of implies, again, with Matthias, that this is power being drawn from the Bloodstone. Um, and that, you know, exposure to the Bloodstone is doing these crazy, crazy things. Um, you get to a door and you touch it and instead of going into that door you're transported up to Zira and you do that whole fight with her and her crazy marionettes. I don't know. They're they're they remind me of the marionette, but I guess they're not marionettes. I don't know what I'd call them. Giant illusions, scary ass illusions. Your choice. Super phantasms. Uh, super phantasms. I like that. Um so you you do that whole fight and then the platforms fade away and you're dropped into a chamber. And in this chamber, you find uh, books on the history of Krita, on the Bloodstone. You find um, a number of discharged Bloodstones that are empty. And you find a stasis chamber, which formerly had a Mursat in it, does not now. So whatever was in there is now Oot in a boot, rooming Tyria. Uh, and if we're not going to fight... Lazarus in raids 
then I'm sort of forced to draw the conclusion that we're going to be fighting him out in a living story. So that's my theory, is that either, I don't think we'll fight him yet, I think it's way too early for that, because he hasn't been introduced properly, we haven't even seen him. Right. Um, but I think that we will probably get our first glimpse of an actual Mursat in Guild Wars 2. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, so Mursat are one of those one of those villains that people have always sort of requested return to Guild Wars because they're they were pretty unique in Guild Wars 1. I they're just really they're pretty cool design and they were a pretty terrifying big bad so to speak and they, you know, they were central to the the plot line of the original storyline. Uh one of the really cool theories that's floating around, I don't know if it has any merit to it or not, but um because we see this empty chamber. Uh we don't actually know if it's empty or not, conclusively. Um, one of the things about Mursat is that they're actually invisible unless you're ascended, which is this huge elaborate process you have to go through in order to be actually able to even see them. So there's this theory floating around that, you know, maybe it wasn't empty. Maybe Lazarus was right in front of us and we just actually couldn't see him because we haven't gone through that process. Um, I don't remember them being invisible. It, it was the Mursat, wasn't it? I... Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm not wrong. But I feel like that's why you had to go get infused in Gilders, right? You had to go see the Seers, and otherwise you just took ass well, tons you of could special agony. Oh, was that what infusion was for? Well, right, but uh, okay. you could see them. Well, infusion was for that, but but there was the trials. Yeah, maybe of I'm conflating two things then, um, but I'm pretty sure that I know that theory has been floating around is that he was actually there and you just couldn't see him. Yeah, I don't. Well, again, there's also that aspect where. I'm I'm trying to think because no, you could definitely see them in Krita, uh or in in Maguma rather, where um, God, what's her name? Ivenia. The Shining Blade Lady gets nope, captured. The other one. Yeah, the other one. But if any is there, um, gets captured by a bunch of Mursat, right? Like, yes, that happens before you go to the Crystal Desert. So, yeah, I don't know where that invisible thing came from. But I right, could also yeah, be the, full of... Yeah, okay. Adding to my list of ridiculous it. things I've Googled, armor sought invisible. Um, they were the unseen ones, right? You could only see them if certain criteria were fulfilled. Yes, that one. Fulfilled. Um, was that... But was that maybe the thing with that eye pyramid? With the chosen? Um, yes. Oh god, my Gildor's lore is so, so old. I don't remember anything. I know, Did we're you know? so Yeah, I know. We're so Did embarrassing you know that now. the monk strike was over 10 years ago? Oh my god, that makes me feel so old. Did you know that I was in college during the monk strike? <laughs> I was not. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, okay, so just looking quickly on the Guild Wars 2 page for Mursat, which is not nearly as detailed as the Guild Wars 1 page for Mursat, it says, A group of Shining Blade, have it, having ascended and thus gaining the gift of true sight, were able to bypass the Mursat's invisibility and aid one of the few remaining seers. So it seems like a thing. Oh, okay. I just don't remember all the key details. Yeah, I don't remember that at all from the story. But also Guild Wars 1, I was going to say, also in Guild Wars 1 there was like sort of that aspect of because of it, because it was instance the way that it was, you know, like you could make that run down to um, Drox, you know, from way low level slash early in the game. 
and you know you could run into Mursat and stuff like that like way before you had done those things so it didn't like actually enforce the invisibility even if your character hadn't done mm-hmm. that plot yet like the Mursat were just always there now they did you know completely ream you if you didn't have uh infusions but um you know the the game itself didn't enforce that as like as a rule even if it maybe was in the lore so it's also entirely possible that i completely just forgot about it because it never was applicable in character right. but anyway mm-hmm. mersad are cool and we sort of never really knew where they came from other than kind of i think farther north maybe sort of like the isle of janthir and like you kind of defeated their plot but you didn't really defeat them necessarily or not not explicitly like completely defeat them all and so they're just sort of one of those Gildor's one hanging plot threads that many people have just sort of always felt would be easy to pick up and one of the more unique and cool things in Guild Wars 2 compared to many other games is this fact that it is the same world but so much time has passed that like it gives them a lot of interesting liberties to expand upon how things have changed for you know races and cities and technology and all sorts of stuff and so sort of the like the super strong bad guys from guild wars one are always one of those uh, cool things that you can expand upon and just see like so what has changed Mm -hmm. or like what can we discover now so yeah, I, I think it's cool that they're finally picking that thread up. I don't remember actually how I started this thread of conversation. <laughs> um, Mursad are cool. The end. Mursad are cool. It's, well, you know, there you go. <laughs> the end. Yes. Um, yeah, would you, do you, why, don't you, why don't you pick up there? Is there, so raids, you run in, there's an empty stasis chamber type thing. I mean, that's it, really. I mean, it, it ends... Uh, with you finding this empty stasis chamber and going, oh no, what's going to happen next? Uh, because obviously there's a new big bad having been, you know, released or escaped. We have no idea what, um, we sort of missed him. No idea what condition he's in, whether he's back at full strength or if he's just sort of limping along. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely wager that it is, we're going to find out very shortly. Yeah. Well, that's that's good for catch up because, like I said, I have not been heavily participating in raids or participating at all in the last raid wing. So for me, you know, I sort of need a catch up, and so it's nice to have somebody who has experienced that firsthand and can tell me those things. Yeah, so I that's think good. Um, you know, even you know, not having seen the episode yet or anything, and not like you know, this is all purely conjecture. But if that's the case, like. If Lazarus just shows up in the living story and we haven't seen him in raids at all, I feel like the raid story really doesn't matter that much already. And I guess I, but yeah. I think that's kind of the point. Like I, I think they don't yeah, want exactly. it to matter I that think, much. Um, people are putting too much emphasis on like, oh, I haven't seen that. Like it's so impossible to get in raids. I haven't seen the lore, and you know, really in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to matter at all. <laughs> like. It's going to pick up, it's going to be like, yeah. some adventurers found out that he's still alive, and raids were the stories of, like, the adventurers accidentally finding out that he was still alive. I think that's all you're missing, really. Yeah, probably. I think I think the frustration is not exactly misplaced, but it's more like that people are frustrated that they, especially if they aren't raiders, haven't gotten mm-hmm. any story, you know? More than the fact that the story is super important. It's more like, you know, well... We, you know, in in air quotes, used to 
get a lot of living story patches and that was a way that we kept playing and if if we are not raiders then we have not gotten any of that and like sort of that frustration although misguided i think that sort of the idea that they are competing resources which like i just don't think that they are i think that the story elements in the raids are there supplementally to be something interesting for raiders rather than like taking the place of living story like they're obviously it is related to the story but it's not you know it's the same type of thing as when people complain about like gem store items and then like also turn around and say like well there hasn't been any living story you're like well those aren't the same people like the the people that make gem store items are not the people that make Mm -hmm. living story like that's you can come you can have frustrations about gem store items versus in-game items because those are the same resources like to some extent but uh you know people people have different skill sets and like you don't that's that's not how like asset allocation works in a company you don't you know yeah i don't know that's my little that's my little community grumble at people i guess uh but yeah i don't know i almost uh wrangled you and some other people a while back because i had a there's this whole controversy about the zero mask being on the gem star right yeah Yeah. it's in our show notes I wasn't sure if we were actually going to talk about it, but now to, we are. But you know, since we're griping about people griping, yeah. Since we're there, uh, I have discovered that I have a massive pet peeve, and that is people making up numbers about raids. Like, if you, I can't even remember what the comment was, but it, it came out around that time. Someone was like, "Well, we all know uh, that ninety percent of raiders." don't spend money on the gem store they've admitted it themselves and i was like whoa whoa (laughs) whoa hold on whoa (laughs) hold the phone first of all i don't know how how many raiders you've rounded up and talked to and you know forced them to confess that they don't spend money on the gem store but like oh i don't know it's just such a pet peeve for me like going to these threads and seeing like raiding is is hurting the game because it's taking away development from things and within that thread you see comments like every person uh has a different number of raiders who raid right like you know 20 percent of the game raids or 15 percent or 10 percent or one percent 69 percent of statistics <laughs> are made up on the internet make stuff up so much and it oh oh makes me so mad and i'm saying i'm saying this laughing now that i'm like far removed from it but on that day i was wagging my finger at the computer honestly i would have started an internet fight but i've forgotten my reddit password which is for the betterment of all um so that didn't happen and i didn't rant on the podcast or anything but now you know that is my pet peeve yeah it's like you can make an argument about those things without trying to justify them with bs statistics that that you made up exactly and in the end, somebody will probably say, well, it's not like you actually know any numbers on that. And then you'll have to say, that's true. Like, so that's just that's just a part of your argument. Like, you don't know those numbers. You can theorize and you can give anecdotal experience, but it does nothing to help your case to just like, well, I shouldn't say that. People believe it because they read it enough mm-hmm. times. And that is why hype happens the way that it happens is that 
I watched it over and over again in Guild Wars 2, and I've watched it over and over again in other gaming communities in general, where a developer will say something, and usually it's a fairly small thing, and people will start repeating it in the community, but embellishing, or they will talk about like what it could mean, or what they think it means, and then you know, a week or a month later, somebody that read the secondhand account of what was said, including with the extra embellishments of what they think it means, will repeat that as if that was what was said by the developers. And, you know, you're playing the telephone game with features and with development and with numbers and with percentages. And in the end, you get people that never read the original post or never read the original interview or never any of those things and they're repeating things with conviction because that's what is being said as fact when it really never was it was probably not even malicious but it just it just happens and if you're there from the very beginning and you watch it it's so frustrating just like watch these situations emerge which the company didn't do anything (laughs) wrong or you know like they didn't say anything wrong they didn't do anything wrong but people listen embellish and repeat and then new people that never heard the original listen to that and embellish on that and repeat it and it just it just keeps going and it's just like they never said that or that's you just pulled that number out of nowhere and if you confront new people with it you'll you'll say where did you see that and they're like well i saw a lot of people on reddit said it Mm -hmm. right it's like well a lot of people on reddit said it because a lot of other people on reddit said it like it's uh, not directly flowing off that, but it's kind of in the same vein. In the same thread where uh, people were being mad. <laughs> um, yeah. People were being um, mad, yeah. Uh, Dev commented on the, you know, sort of the thing. And uh, this was the in regard to the Zero mask being on the gem store. And yeah, okay. So what he said was um, something like, you know, we... We wanted this item to be a thing. We didn't have time to make it ourselves. So we asked the gem store team to do it. And they did it. And they put it on the gem store. As is the right of the gem store team. It's essentially the... It's paraphrased, but that's the gist of what he said. It got downvoted literally hundreds of times. So hard. Yeah. And some... At some point, I'm like, you know, I don't feel good like if that's what happened like i don't think he lied or anything if that's what happened i don't necessarily feel good about it but at the same time if you downvote someone hundreds of times like a dev hundreds of times for being honest about what happened like do you want to be treated like children because this is how you get treated like children like this is why things like this is why arena net has these weird policies about us or like about how they communicate with us I don't know, like, that whole thing was just frustrating to watch, and I did not participate, because, as I said, I forgot my password, probably for the best. I didn't reset it. I knew I was looking at it, and I was like, "Mm, I can just choose not to do this, and that was my course of action. Well, also, it's, it's, yeah, there's, I feel like there's definitely, there's definitely some people who aren't doing what I'm about to say, but I'm sure that there are also people who are sort of trying to have their cake and eat it too, where they're not raiders, so they're the ones complaining that raids are all that we've gotten, which, I mean, you know, I I understand that complaint, like, I understand that frustration, 
but because they're angry at ArenaNet, especially for, you know, quote-unquote past sins, um, they may also be the ones turning around and being mad about raid rewards being in the gem store, because rewards that should have been in-game but are on the gem store is, like, one of those really easy, low-effort buttons to press for people. And it's, like, it's not even... It's not even really affecting them because they weren't raiding in the first place. But so on the one hand, they're complaining that raids are the only thing that are getting resources and they're taking away from other sections. And then they're also complaining when the dev says we didn't have enough resources to make all of the rewards for this content. And so a different group did it, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. the gem store. So that's why it's there. It's like, so you're complaining because too many resources are going to the raids and then you're complaining because there's not enough resources going into the raids to make the rewards for the raids so you know which which is it and like i said i i'm sure that there are people that are raiders that are mad about that and don't think that raids are drawing attention away from the rest of the game which i i think that they're not drawing an inordinately large amount um so you know, I don't don't take that to mean that I am dismissing people's frustration. Yeah, absolutely. About... Like I don't want people to get the wrong idea that we're like, oh, how can you be mad about things being on the gem store? Or like, yeah, like obviously yeah. tired of those. Spendings. But I think that there's a lot of I think that there is a lot of frustration bandwagoning that happens mm-hmm. with Guild Wars Two. It happens with every game, but especially with Guild Wars Two as as a result of the policy of no communication, basically, because it just it just means people are frustrated and don't have an outlet for it. And so, you know, the there's a lot of people that I think don't play the game and still go to the subreddit because they want to be part of the community, but they don't actually play the game. And so they just latch onto things that already made them angry and then be angry about it. And Speaking of pet peeves, people who leave MMOs and just go to forums to shit on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is taking an unexpected turn. I didn't mean to uh, talk shit about people today. <laughs> well, we're not talking no. shit about specific people. So if it sounds like we're talking about you, um, we're either not or you should re-examine your priorities. <laughs> Also tell Arena Net to tell us more things so we don't have to talk about people talking about Arena Net and <laughs> just talk about Guild Wars 2. Yes. Yes. Anyway, so let's get back hmm. on a slightly more positive note. Is there anything else you would like to speculate about uh Living Story 3? We really again, we don't know much other than Mersot <laughs> and they're also pushing the white mantle Mersot thing. That was something that was being, you know, was sort of the topic of discussion of that Queen Jenna interview. But um, so that's that's about all we officially know. Is there do you have any speculation on the types of stuff we're going to be doing, types of enemies we're going to be fighting, like locations we're going to be going to? I don't know. People keep saying we're getting a new map. I don't think so. Like, I just, uh, you know, I feel like with the amount of strain on resources you know we keep saying no we can't have these things no we can't have these things what makes you think we're getting a new that's map? interesting because i would guess that we are getting a new map just from the precedent of season two of living story and that sort of one of their big design goals was in fact to give permanent maps because people griped about that mm-hmm. so much in season one of having like temporary content that didn't have a lasting change on the world and the fact that, you know, we we know that they're working on a new expansion, but we don't know anything about it other than, you know, it's an expansion. And uh, 
I think they segued into the expansion so well through Living Story by having us explore new parts of the world in the direction that, you know, led to where we were going. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think it would be a real shame if they didn't do that. So maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that I'm expecting it so much as I think it's a real good opportunity to carry forward lessons that they learned in season two and things that I feel worked well for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got a new map. Yeah, um, I I would say, actually, uh, just based on the number of things we saw in the trailer that were new that we haven't seen anywhere, um, I definitely think we're going to see some new stuff. Whether it's an open world map or not, I'm not convinced. I wouldn't be surprised to see a new instance with things in it, but I I just don't know about a a full-blown, you know, map like on a Heart of Thorns scale. I don't know. Well, I don't know I mean, that we'd get a Heart of Thorns scale map because those maps are huge. Yeah, okay, but like Silver Waste was part of Living Story. Silver Waste and uh, Dry Top, mm. those are pretty big maps, but they're not they're not Heart of Thorns maps, yeah. right? That's, you know, Heart of Thorns maps are, are massive. I definitely don't expect something on that level. But yeah, I don't know. I hope we get a new map. I New maps I too. always like, excite I don't be, Yeah, they're, I don't want to be like, oh, uh, no, I don't think we're going to, yeah. I guess... I'll be grateful for whatever we get because it'll be something. But it, it'll basically, like we said at the beginning of the show, how can we, you know, be excited about this when we just don't know? Like in my mind right now, Living Story Three is just some new, like a couple new instances and some lore things, and that's it. And I just like I just don't have any concept of what it's going to be. It's true like. because once again, this is yet another release cadence. For a living story like living story has never stuck to a release cadence for more than a season yeah. the even for an entire season for that matter so, you know season one started out with literally every two weeks and started slowing down at the end of that year to more like once a month or once in two months and then they had some you know to be fair some really big things that happened like lion's arch getting destroyed but uh that that two-week cadence didn't hold up and again we've talked about the pros and cons of the two-week cadence and and i think it was smart of them to drop it but then season two came out and they were you know what like once a month but then they took a break so it was like once a month (laughs) for four months and then it wasn't and then it was once a month again for a couple months and you know so and now we're going quarterly right or at least that was the proposed what it's supposed to be is quarterly so you know but heart of thorns has been out for almost three quarters now so quarterly starting three quarters of a year after the initial (laughs) the initial game so it's it's really impossible to predict the size and type of content we're going to be getting because it it literally is just completely uncharted territory for us as fans and it's gonna stay that way i don't know if you saw the news when they um when they said, okay, you know, we're ready, or Mo put a, a post on the forums, Mike O'Brien, uh, saying that, okay, we're ready to talk about it season three. Um, this is when it, or we're ready to announce <laughs> the release date of season three, which I found funny. Like, instead of just telling us, he's like, yeah, we're ready to tell you. And then, anyway, in that, but yeah, we won't. In that post, uh, he said, you know, things have been going well. We think that next year we might be able to do six six yearly releases instead of four. So, you know, it's going to change again, maybe, possibly. Yeah. We'll find out. Well, which also sort of calls into question, not exactly calls into question, but makes you think about what the timing is going to look like for the next expansion if they're thinking about doing six 
quarterly in air quotes sized patches <laughs> per year. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I'm saying like the I I assume that he meant sort of on the level of their of this year's quarterly releases, but doing them six yeah. times instead of yep. you know quarterly. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So many questions. Maybe that should be the title of our episode. Just episode 155. So many questions. Yeah. Too many questions, not enough answers. And hopefully next we can do. Oh man, we can do part two next week uh, with some of the answers. <laughs> we find out actually what's going to be in this patch. Yeah, when right. it's out. When it's ready. Yep. At least yeah, we haven't been getting that answer very often. We haven't been getting any answers very often. I'm doing I was a just terrible gonna say, job that requires of us keeping to get us an answer. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of ostensibly supposed to be my job. So obviously I'm, uh, <laughs> I am taking the bait slash <laughs> not taking the high ground. But anybody listening to that should probably know that that's the kind of people that we are and uh, not be too surprised. And if you're new here, welcome. Sorry. Welcome. Uh, yeah, because yeah. speaking of new people, back to game news. Uh, 50% off on Heart of Thorns on the official website. If you haven't pulled the trigger yet, you've been playing free to play or whatever, now's a good time. Wasn't there also a discount on Living Story Season 2? Um, I, or am I yes, crazy? Yes, I believe that is correct as well. Um, if you've missed, any, I believe it was 50% yeah, off. If you missed any episodes of Season 2, it scales down in the gem store, so you're not paying for a full season. If you just missed like one and you want to pick that up, try and do that. Uh, if you want to buy the full season, it's 50% off or whatever in the in the gem store. Um, do you recommend it, yay, nay? Or who would you recommend it to? I would recommend it to anybody who is has not played since Heart of Thorns and didn't play Season 2 as a way to sort of ease yourself back into the game because the because heart of thorns is a lot harder like even though there's been power creep uh from elite specializations heart of thorns is way harder for people especially for people that are not you know the, the every single day kind of players and season two was sometimes hard but nowhere near the difficulty of heart of thorns so if you're looking to jump back into heart of thorns and you're looking at that sale i would absolutely recommend getting season two and playing it both from the perspective that it will catch you up on the story uh because the story definitely was hugely you know tied to season two or vice versa i suppose but also just to ease you back into playing the game because it, you might have a hard time if you just jump straight into heart of thorns and you haven't been playing so yeah, I saw one of the one of the things you get with Heart of Thorns is a free level eighty character boost. I guess it's not free; it mm -hmm. comes with the game. But you get a level eighty character boost, and um, a lot of people have been recommending actually holding on to that and not using it right away until you know a little bit more about the game. Because if you go, if you just power yourself straight to eighty, you've never played before, it's going to be rough. <laughs> it's going to hurt you uh, in numerous ways. Um, you're going to be confused about why things are happening. And it just, I think, ultimately would be a not as nice experience for you as if you had gone through up through the levels and tried to play a bit of the story. I think that if you used to play and, again, didn't play Heart of Thorns, you would probably be okay if you were looking to um, start sort of a fresh slate and maybe start a revenant and just auto level it to 80 like if you played if you played the core map sort of ad nauseum and you just got tired of it uh 
but you really want to try out the new profession, I think the auto 80 is perfect for those players mm-hmm. because you don't really need to go through 80 levels again to relearn it. But again, that's why I sort of suggest the season two as your sort of tutorial slash reminder of how to play. And you can you those players can go jump to 80 and with the new profession that's like a you know they probably already have most of the professions that they already wanted from the base game yeah if they quit so you know i I wouldn't worry about it too much if you're in that situation but if you are a very new player uh i absolutely agree with what you just said because it is there's a lot to learn and there were a lot of people that got to 80 the old-fashioned way back in the day (laughs) and uh they did not know things like dodge rolling yes and they had a bad time so yeah because again i mean the game is confusing like i said i i had friends that had sort of stopped playing and they did pick up heart of thorns and they went straight into it and they just like couldn't even play it for more than a few minutes at a time because it was just like such a sensory overload to them having gotten out of practice and then combining it with the amped up difficulty. Uh, yeah, I, I think you would do well to uh, take it a little slow. Yeah. And conversely, if you like pain, if you're one of those people who's just like, I want to learn uh, by smashing my face, then there you go. It is you will face smash. It will happen. <laughs> it will happen. Yes. Well, and if you're one of those people and you didn't play season two, then just go straight for the achievement solo. Yes. Because <laughs> they're hard. <laughs> they're real hard. <sighs> I'm going to look back at our notes. Do you want to talk about the bar brawl? Oh, well, yeah, sure. Why don't you read it? Uh, Okay. Hi, Relics team. Oh, this is from Eric, by the way. Uh, this may be a good bar brawl topic. Traherne, Scarlet, and Cormier... All, I presume, not both. Eric received character development. <laughs> Player characters only received plot development during these stories. I believe this is the root of why people such as myself complain about "quote unquote" Cormier stole my godhood. What do you think would be a good way for ArenaNet to implement character as opposed to plot or statistical development for the player character? Do you feel that Heart of Thorns has actually begun to do that? Um, yeah, I guess that's the. He leaves a few of his ideas but i figure we should just start with the question but nobody cares about eric's <laughs> ideas that was the know. hidden subtext for those of you who don't know spirit yeah, well. also no, by the kidding. way if you're new here i we totally know eric and i can make fun of him because we're friends i'm not just making hey, fun yeah. of some random person who mailed us <laughs> yeah please mail us also we're gonna make fun of the person who mailed no. us <laughs> No, yeah, it's Eric, and we like making fun of him because he is our friend and was our former intrepid leader. Um, which is weird. It's it's funny reading that email because I still think of him as a relics house, even though he doesn't really do it. But anyway, uh, so what are your what are your thoughts on that before I delve into mine? Because as you know, I can talk everybody's ears. Yeah, off. I'm just gonna let you talk because I don't really have a strong. I have been caring less and less about the story lately, and so I don't have a strong opinion formulated on that currently. But I, I'll work on developing one while you talk. Well, about I it. think that in itself is sort of endemic of what he's talking about is that you don't feel any particular attachment to your character because the story happens sort of to other characters while you are a blank slate that is there to witness them. I think that he nailed it on the head why people feel like all of those characters well not nobody thinks that scarlet stole their uh destiny or credit or whatever because she was a bad guy but um definitely with traherne and cormier the frustration was that you as a player character were doing all of the legwork 
but you were receiving little, if any, character development. You were just receiving plot development, and, you know, those characters were the spotlight of the story, and then they sort of got credit for doing the story stuff that you had just done yourself. And so, but I I would say that, and I think I've been saying this to the credit of Heart of Thorns, they did a much better job of making it feel like your character was growing and getting sort of due recognition for what you were doing in Heart of Thorns, because, again, the... The relationship between Traherne and the main character in Heart of Thorns, I thought, was what it should have been more like in the main story. It was much more realistic slash kind of organic slash giving you credit where, again, where where it was due. You know, he, he came in and he is your superior officer, but you are the one who's been boots on the ground and knows the situation. And so he came in and basically said you know, you requested backup and we're here. And what do you like, what do you recommend? Because you're the one with the experience here. Like I, I marshaled the troops, uh, but you're the one with the experience of the situation. So give us a briefing and, you know, let us work together. And that didn't feel like he was stealing your thunder. That felt like he was doing his job and you were doing your job and you were allowed to do that. And that was much more satisfying than you doing all the work and Traherne's like, well, I'm the leader, so look how great I did. Mm-hmm. Not that he specifically said that, but that's kind of how the story treated it in the base game. And uh, same thing with Cormier. And, you know, that's it's frustrating because it doesn't seem to jive with what happened in, in the game, especially because NPCs, uh, especially pre-Heart of Thorns, this is both Guild Wars 1 and Guild Wars 2, are frickin' incompetent. <laughs> like... It's not like they're off doing something on their own. Like you have them in missions and they run into walls and die. Like they're, like they're just bad. <laughs> so it's like double frustrating when you see this person who in game reality is a moron and <laughs> like and then you know like they get the credit for you actually playing well especially when the mission was mm-hmm. hard. So um but again that like those things I feel were not super present in Heart of Thorns. I think that they improved a lot in their storytelling and their character development where you you felt like you were learning and making like decisions and people were respecting that and what you had done and you were building your own sort of Destiny's Edge 2.0, you know, whatever favorite nomenclature you want to call them and like it felt like you were being recognized for the things that you were doing instead of somebody else being recognized for the things that you were doing. So yeah, I, I think he I think he nailed it on the head for why people really don't like those characters. And I I think that they've been improving it. So I hope to see more of that type of characterization in the future. That would be my answer. Uh, I didn't formulate a strong opinion. <laughs> my, my opinion remains different. Um, I do think failing. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I do have some thoughts, I guess. Um, I so one of my major complaints about the story, and this is sort of tangential. It's not really the same as you know why I don't like NPCs or anything. Um, I like part of the thing that removes me from the story is I don't like who ArenaNet have sort of decided my character is. Um, you know, being the commander of the pact, like I don't feel sort of comfortable in that situation. I'm not sure I would want to be a pact commander. Um, I would much rather just be like an order of whispers operative. And I like, 
I don't expect Rain and Net to to change that. But at the same time, you know, because you know, in in my mind, my character wouldn't do that or whatever. It's still a little bit of a cognitive dissonance for me, and as well the um the way my character treats people. Uh, I know this is something we've talked about before, but like uh for some reason, it seems like my character is behind. I guess my knowledge of situations and so reacts differently than I think they should react or just in ways that are unnecessarily harsh. And the, the, the example that springs to mind for me is how my character treats Kanak basically up until the end of Heart of Thorn's story, where he, he has been repenting for years, literally years. He hasn't done anything suspicious for a long time. Uh, he's done a number of good things, favors for us, working with us and stuff. And your character still sort of treats him very much like he's an absolute criminal, an outsider, and just really, really freaking mean to him a couple times. Um, I can't remember exactly. I think um, the what the instance that pops to mind is the one where you have to go around that human party in the middle of season yep, that's two. that's exactly the one I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, and you're of. like, yeah. what are you doing here? You're the worst. Like, how can you be here? <laughs> just, you rail into him, and he... I just didn't understand why we were being so mean to him. So I think uh, what I would like to see are more dialogue options, and not just, like, they don't have to majorly change the story or anything. I'm not looking for, you know, like, I understand we can't have personal story back, whatever. I don't care about that stuff. I just don't want to be, like, a mean... I don't want to be a mean person. I want to have a little bit more control over how my character handles situations. And then I think I would be a bit more invested instead of just sort of being along for the ride in a, in a, I guess you call it a blank slate, but I'm along for the ride in the body of a, I choose my voice and I choose my appearance and then my personality is just set. I don't really have a whole lot of control over that right now. Right. Well, and I think that that's one of those difficulties that is inherent to game storytelling is that, you know, I I see a lot of people uh, very critical of games that have an illusion of choice, but in the end, it kind of doesn't matter because they want to feel... They want to feel like their choices are making a difference, and that's not exactly what you're saying. Um, but they they want to feel like their choices are making a difference. But part of the limitation of technology and man hours are that there's just there's just no way to account for all of those things, mm-hmm. and at least not to the extent that many people feel that they should. And so it's it's not a catch twenty two, but it is a problem that developers have to face in that. You know, especially for a game like an MMO, trying to sell the idea of having any kind of personalization in your character aside from aesthetic, uh, which they were kind of selling that, right? Like when the game was being talked about before release, there was, you know, there was that whole personality system of like the charm, like the the dignity, charm and ferocity um, dialogue options and stuff and how and they were really playing up the personal story and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And Ultimately, they just they just couldn't actually make that happen. And as time goes on, like it gets as as we get more and more content updates, both in the, the form of living story and um, expansions, uh, those decision trees get bigger and bigger and bigger and more and more difficult. And that's why all player characters have to be the packed commander, even if you don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. And 
that feeling only gets magnified the more choices you are presented as a player, right? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge. I definitely understand what you're saying though, especially because there's sort of a disconnect where they can't ever make up their mind whether time in real life corresponds to time in game. <laughs> so. Because for a while there with Living Story, like the canon was that one day in real life is one day in Tyria. And these events that are happening two weeks or four weeks apart from each other are happening two weeks and four weeks apart from each other in Tyria. But then when you throw that together with, uh, you know, breaks where they have to develop big chunks of new content, you get the situation like with Kanak, where, as you said, he's literally, it's literally been years at this point since his first transgressions. And he has ostensibly been atoning for literal years at this point, if if that real life to game time is supposed to be preserved. So yeah, you, you just get you get weird situations like that. And like you said, you as a person, as a player, would not make a lot of those decisions, which means that you maybe don't connect to the character as much as you could. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, it, it's... That's just sort of one of those things, I guess. There's always going to be that. There's always going to be that disconnect in video games, uh, but it's made especially apparent if, uh, like I said, when when it feels like the the narrative becomes at odds with what you've observed during your interaction with the narrative. So yeah, I don't know. <sighs> Gosh, you realize it's already been like an hour and a half. Yeah, it got. I felt. Yeah, it's one of those shows where like we have nothing to talk about, and then we just continue to talk. <laughs> we've touched on the news. We've touched on the gossip. We've talked. Touched on game philosophy. I mean, what's yeah, next? Yeah. Well, fortunately, next week we'll have something to talk about. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> that's approaching rapidly, and I'm excited as we've gone full circle now, because guys patch hype seriously if it's even a quarter as good as it was last quarter yeah i'm in seriously like i have been in really waiting for living story to come out and uh again if if this patch is as big as or even close to as big as the last quarter's patch that's gonna be really exciting it's gonna be a really exciting time for us to get some more playtime in with new things and you know play together uh, more than we have been in the past couple weeks and have new stuff to talk about, new stuff to speculate about, new stuff to get excited about. You know, uh, how this chapter goes will sort of inform what we can expect from the next chapters of Living Story, which is its own type of speculation and hype, because, again, we, we have no idea how long this chapter is going to be. And so once we know that, then we can sort of get some better predictions out there for for future future content so to speak and yeah yeah so despite the fact that we've been sort of uh, debbie downers uh for the past hour about things i think we're actually very excited about what's to come yes we just don't know what to, how we don't know how many excites to right. be about we know what... that we should be excited we just don't know what we're excited about yet that's such a weird feeling that is exactly okay i i mean i've been searching and we've finally reached that truth uh i know i know to be excited but i don't know why and that is such a bizarre feeling <laughs> i don't just have excitement for no reason exactly so yeah um so i think that's probably time to call it for this week because yes we yeah we like we said we actually don't have anything else to talk about which means we could talk forever about nothing (laughs) so 
I think that's a good point to wrap up. I've been wanting to record for a while now, but uh, this has been a nice little kick in the pants to get something done before we have a whole deluge of new specific content to talk about. So yeah, thanks for sticking with it this whole time, if you did. And we will be back next week with real news. This has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>